Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. After the plane got up in the air, there was a, a blonde lady that got up from economy and went moved toward first class. After all, it was a long flight. She was, saw that there were empty seats when she got on, and she found an empty seat. She sat down, and the flight attendant noticed that she had made her way to the front and sat in a first-class seat and went up to her and said, Ma'am, I, could I see your ticket? And she showed it to her and said economy on it. She said, I'm so sorry, but you're not allowed to come up here in first class since you just purchased an economy ticket. She said, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, and I'm going to New York City. <laughs> Flight attendant was stunned by the response, so she went up to the cockpit and told the pilot and co-pilot what had happened. Co-pilot looked at the pilot and said, I'll handle this. He gets up out of his seat, goes back to the blonde and says, ma'am, I've been made aware that you bought an economy ticket and that you have moved to first class. I'm going to need to ask you if you would please go back to your seat. She looked at the co-pilot, same response. I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, and I'm going to New York City. Co-pilot's stunned. What do I do? So he goes to the cockpit, tells the pilot, look, I said the same thing to her. The flight attendant said to her, she refuses to move. Pilot said, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm married to a blonde. I speak blonde. (laughs) He goes back and he bends down so as not to embarrass her and he whispers in her ear after he whispers in her ear she gets up and goes back to economy flight attendant stunned what did you say it's very simple I told her first class is not going to New York City (laughs) well there you have it gotta try start out with something a little humorous here but uh Anyway, before you choose to move to first class, the title of this is Before You Choose. And as I've stated in the weeks prior to this week, it's amazing at how often we make decisions and choices without really even thinking. They're almost involuntary. We just, we're in such a habit of, of responding to certain things in a certain way. For instance, if I were to say, how are you? Most of us already have a response ready. If you're a negative person, well, you know, life sucks. We kind of know that when we ask somebody, right? I mean, that's going to be their pat response. Or you see somebody, and they may not be doing well, but they're going, everything's great. Thanks for asking. They don't share with you. you, We all have those kinds of responses uh, to, to conversations without really even thinking about them. So the whole goal of this series is to get us to think and prepare ahead of time for the responses that we want to give and the decisions that we want to make. In other words, if you are getting up every morning and and you're having a quiet time or your heart is set on God every morning and, and you think, God, today I'm asking you for wisdom because you know that throughout the day you're going to encounter opportunities, crises, tough decisions, and that you need to be prepared ahead of time for those things to happen. You know, when a pilot gets in the cockpit, they've flown thousands and thousands of hours, 
but they go through a checklist every time before that plane takes off just to make sure that if there is a crisis, they will have an appropriate response. You may remember Sully on the Hudson that his co-pilot's going through the manual. He wasn't like, oh, my God, we got to keep this thing in the air. It was no. We did our checklist, and now we have another checklist when it comes to crisis. In other words, we know how to respond to a bird strike when it hits one of our engines or shuts all of our engines down. They're already prepared. And I think the challenge in our world today with social media and everything moving so rapidly that I'm not sure we're really prepared to make the right responses that we need to make on most occasions. And so, because our flesh is always trying to uh, make those decisions for us and, and, and get us to do things that really are, are not appropriate, things that we shouldn't be doing in reaction to or response to something that's happened in our lives. In other words, if somebody hits you on the cheek, if you're a man, you're probably going to swat him back. If you're a woman, who knows? I, I don't know about women, but I know the nature of men is, is really a, a little bit more carnal than you precious ladies. We have this thing called testosterone that surges through our bodies and, 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 and almost mandates that we do stupid things. Now, I, I'm, I'm sure you're not as bad ladies as we are, but we've got to realize that every response counts. Some responses count more than others. And if you will, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, this is his disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. So Jesus using the words, you know. In other words, he's saying, you have knowledge of what I'm about to say, you have knowledge of how uh, the Gentiles uh, treat people. You have knowledge of that, but he says, you know that. So why would he be telling them something they already know? You see, sometimes when somebody's telling us something and we go, oh, yeah, I know, I know, you, do you really know? What Jesus is saying is, I want to prepare you to not be like them. I want to prepare you to be different. I want to prepare you to have a response that's unlike their response to their authority, their position, or their title. Before you choose, remember, not so with you. Now, I added before you choose. He's saying, I want to remind you, this is not who you are. This is not how you behave. This is not how you respond. Very, very important that you get this on your checklist because throughout the day now one of the things I do and I've shared this with you before because I, I don't like uh, people who just drive without any sense of purpose I'm saying it as politely as I can my challenge is when I get behind the wheel of a car it's an experience it's, it's, it's serious. It's, I'm that kind of driver. I, I, when I get behind, I, I checklist. I back my car into the garage because when, when you back out, you're more tempted because you just got in and your mind's reeling and you're more, it's easier to back into somebody or something. But when you're going forward, you see through the windshield. So these are, you say, well, you're sick. Well, so are you. It's just in a different way. Because all society, fallen nature is sick. 
And so I, I, you choose it, you know. So I, I decide I kind of prepare in advance so that I'm not going to have to react. I've already prepared a response. And if we get up, and this is why meditation in the morning and prayer is so critical, is basically what you're saying is, God, I, I, want, I, want, to, uh, I want to prepare for the day that lies ahead. I want to, I want to prepare for what you, you have prepared for me. And, and it's very, 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 very important that you exercise that kind of wisdom ahead of time. Because if you don't, your reaction to wrong behavior will be wrong reaction. And so it's very, very important that we get this. So before you choose, remember, <clears throat> not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, he's saying, here's, here's the proper response. And he's using, Jesus is using himself as an example of how to live this life. He is the Son of God. The disciples believe that. They know that. And he's saying, you guys, if you're not careful, you're going to act like the Gentiles. And, you know, here's the reality. The world is not looking for us to be perfect. People who don't know God are not looking for us to be perfect, but they are looking for us to be kind. They are looking for us to be patient. They are looking for us to be loving. They are looking for us to have joy. They're looking into our lives not to be perfect because this is where we make a mistake is, is many Christians fight to be perfect and you can say, well, the Bible says Jesus would be perfect as I am perfect. You think you stand one chance, even a little bit, of being that perfect? My best hope is can I at least act a little bit like Jesus? God, help me to act like you. That's all I'm asking. And there are times I don't want to act like Jesus. There are times you don't want to act like Jesus, but you cannot give yourself permission to do that we can't give it's going to happen you're not perfect but the reality is that before we choose a response we need to fully be aware of what the outcome of that response might be and so oftentimes when I'm driving I think if I see somebody being stupid behind the wheel of a car which is consistent inevitable, going to happen, nothing you can do to stop it. You can, you, know, you, you can road rage, you can do whatever you want. It's not going to change them. It's going to change you, high blood pressure. You're probably going to jail. <laughs> so what I do in order to monitor how I choose is I see every car that's stupid. You notice I didn't say person. I see that car with my daughter behind the wheel. No, no, no. You have to understand, my baby, I can't get mad at my baby. So in order for me to make a proper response, I've created a system. Now, every now and then, I do honk at my daughter. But my goal and my effort is to have a response that if I see them and they find out I'm a pastor, so it's one of the curses of position and title here. 
Some of y'all, you don't have to worry about that. You can just fade. But no, somehow they always find out. How many of you have been embarrassed like that? Oh, you're the one. You invite them to church. I wouldn't go to your church because you're an idiot. Anyway, so we have to choose remembering that we are responsible for our response to anybody and everybody's action, be it good or bad. I'm responsible. I can't look and say, well, God, they mistreated me. So here's a, in your face. And God's not going to go, amen, sick them. <laughs> and use my name while you're at it. No, we have to prepare for those choices. So every day that you get up, I've been getting up saying, Lord, I choose today to surrender. I choose today. And just come down the list of I'm choosing, I'm choosing. Because if you say those things out loud, believe it or not, those things get in your head. And when something pops up during the day, you've already said this morning, I choose to forgive. I choose to surrender. I choose to submit. I choose to be kind. I choose to have mercy. I choose to walk in love. But you have to tell yourself, this is what I'm going to do. Go down the checklist. And you A-types probably already have one. It's taped to the refrigerator and the bathroom mirror. And I applaud you for that because it's not a lack of brilliance to have a list. Matter of fact, thank God that surgeons have a list of surgeries and how to do them. They don't go, well, let's, let's try a shortcut today. We've never done this before. Let's do this. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. They've got the list, and they said, this is how it works. This is how it's worked. It's been tested. But we're not going to go into this thing rogue and just go off the cuff and, and, and do a surgery. And yet every day we treat other people that way, going, we're not realizing what somebody might be going through, and you might have been the answer to their prayer, but you chose not to be because you chose to be mean. It's not that we don't believe in God and love God. We just have too many other things on our mind. We just have too many other things on our mind. Like some of you came in here today and you didn't even have worship on your mind. You didn't have my preaching on your mind. We don't know what you had on your mind. Right now I ain't on your mind. I'm, not, I'm in front of your face and you're not listening to me. I'm going to get your attention. You have to choose to dial in. We're checked out. I mean, there have been times you sit around and talk to somebody and you're having serious conversations. They go, there's a fly on the wall. I feel loved and respected. I thought you were listening to me. I thought I counted in this conversation. But obviously, the fly is getting your attention. One of the problems in our society is we don't focus on what other people are saying. We focus on what we want to hear. We don't focus on what God's doing. We, we just focus on, you know, I, I, I made it to church. Be impressed, God. You're blessed with my presence. No, you're blessed with his presence. Act like it. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I want to be at the gate when, when everybody's taken up and hear people's response at the gate, standing in the face of God, well, I went to church every Sunday. I didn't tithe. I didn't forgive. I didn't serve, but I went. Oh, if I'm God, I'm flipping you like a mosquito. Go to hell. Anyway, no, I'm just. That woke you up, didn't it? 
But just, I, I, I mean, it's very difficult, but I'm going to ask you to do something that may not be right. If it's not, forgive me. But put yourself, just for a moment, if you can even last a moment, in the seat of God. All of a sudden, you're God. I'm not, I'm not talking Bruce, Jim Carrey. I'm saying, put yourself and say, what would I do? What would my response be if I'm God? No, come on, really, seriously, because the reality is God looks at every human being, seven plus billion on this planet, and he loves every one of us exactly the same. He doesn't love you because you go to church. He doesn't love you because you're kind, though he likes it. And it, it, the reason he likes it because it's good for your health. It's not like God's going, oh, they weren't kind. I'm so wounded. You can't wound God. God has everything. Everything in this book is for your benefit. Most people see it as a law or something like that, but it's for your benefit. It's for a better life. So when I put myself, I think, well, I'm going to put myself in the seat of God. I think I can't last five minutes. One minute is burdensome to think of what you would do and how you would respond if you were God. So I read this article. It's, it's pretty interesting because there's a digression or regression, whichever word works, and I'm sure there's a wordsmith watching right now going, he used the wrong word. I do it all the time. My A-type, hold on. There we go. When the Ritz-Carlton Hotels won the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award, said, I had the opportunity to congratulate the owner of that outstanding organization. Mr. William Johnson, my good friend who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, in typical humility and in his wonderful southern drawl, Bill gave others the credit. He added that now that they had won the prestigious honor they would need to work even harder to earn the respect that came with it. So now they're the champions. How many of you know everybody wants a shot at the champion? He says, quality is a race with no finish line. Quality, Christianity, is a race with no finish line. You don't get to finish on earth. It said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Whether you go to meet him or he comes to get you, it is not finished with you. It's a never-ending work. Competitive excellence requires 100% all of the time. This is a secular institution, folks. This is one of the, still to this day, one of the finest hotel chains in the world, the Ritz-Carlton. And it says, if you doubt that, try maintaining excellence by setting your standards at 92% or even 95%. People figure they're doing fine so long as they get somewhere near it. Excellence gets reduced to acceptable. And before long, acceptable doesn't seem worth the sweat if you can get by with adequate. After that, mediocrity is only a breath away. In other words, many Christians, people who get born again, really ask, what is the bare minimum that I need to do or live to go to heaven? They don't want to excel. They just don't want to go to hell. So don't excel and go to hell. That's how it works. 
That's how they think it works. Now, certainly, I don't want to live a bare minimum Christian life. Well, I went to church. I served once a month. Every now and then during worship, I even lifted my hands. Come on, God. That ought to give me some bonus points. (laughs) And so we start measuring our eternity against our behavior instead of measuring our eternity against our acceptance of his forgiveness. You can be, I mean, there are some mean Christians. I'm talking, we're talking snakish. Now, they got born again, but they still got the scales. And it's like, and you know, that they'll look at you brazenly and say, I'm going to heaven, deal with it. And I'm thinking, you ain't living on the south side with me. There's got to be a section of heaven where people making everybody cry, but he's saying there'll be tears in heaven, so he got to separate us out. I cannot imagine a pessimist going to heaven. Oh, look, I thought the gold would look different than this. And after all, the gates of pearl, they're just a little gaudy. Can you imagine? I mean, there are literally people that you could do something fantabulous for them, and they're going to find something to complain about. And that's where my response is unpilot-esque. I'm going to go off script, throw the manual away, throwing you out without a parachute. That's the human side. We all have that. We all have to address it. The challenge in our world today is we're so busy attempting to impress God with whatever we do instead of honoring God with what we do. You're never going to impress God. I mean, come on, figure it out. You got galaxies, man. It's not about impressing God. I lifted my hands. I went to church. I did all this. All those things are great, and you should do them. But it's not for the sake of impressing It's for the sake of honoring the one who gave his life for you. So before I choose, I always have to remember, if I've been mistreated, I haven't been crucified yet. Now, I'm not looking to, so. But Jesus was crucified without complaining. In fact, if you just study, meditate on his words from the cross, it's very difficult because He could have called legions of angels to rescue him. He was the son of God, totally mistreated. And his response, and I'm going to tell you right now, this response was in his heart before he left heaven and ended up in a manger, which was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, if you want to go flesh with that, you could actually make yourself feel a little better by saying, Father, forgive them for they're very stupid. Well... Because our humanity is always going to try and engage in a God response. And I never understood this, this, this statement, bless their heart. No, no, don't, don't ask God to bless my heart. Ask him to bless all of me. Heart's only a portion of it. So our response is, God, I, I want to bless those who persecute me. And, and, you know, that's not easy for certain types of people called mankind 
Because when someone persecutes us, it's very difficult. Now, but Paul said in Philippians 2, do everything readily and cheerfully. Now, let me, let me back up just a moment because I've talked about this before. Many people see the worship of God as the most important thing. Then there are people who believe preaching is the most important thing. It's the constant battle of, of, of what we think we know and what we know. It's a constant battle. So, but let me tell you what I think the most important thing is. It's neither preaching nor worship. I'm leaving this moment for you to think, I don't know where he's going with this, but he's missed it. No, 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 no. This is premeditated. Serving is the more important thing. You can worship from anywhere. You can worship driving down the road in your car, and I think maybe that's what most people in Oklahoma are doing because they're not paying attention to the road. Uh, so that's a, my positive spin on why people drive stupid. Well, they're just worshiping Jesus. They got caught up in the spirit. <laughs> to which I go, <laughs> listening to Bon Jovi, something like Anyway. Do everything readily and cheerfully, no bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go all uh, to, to all this work for nothing. Paul is begging them, please be a reflection of our Savior. Be a reflection of Jesus. Be a light shining in darkness. We live in a world that is so filled with hate that, that I believe Martin Luther King Jr. would look today and go, it's even worse than it was back then. And he gave his life for that cause, if you will, for what he believed. And it, it would it'd be turmoil to look and say, I did all this sacrificing, and y'all still hate each other. And this is not black, white, red, yellow. This is human beings. We have to overcome this. And the only way we can do it is we have to choose ahead of time to love everybody, no matter what their response is to us, what their actions are toward us, we have to walk in love. I'm preaching to me here. This is not like, oh, pastor got this dialed in. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm dialing it in. I'm declaring it done. I get up and say, God, this is me. I'm walking in love today. I have the mind of Christ. You said if I asked wisdom, you'd give it to me because I lack it. So, God, you've made all these promises to me, and I'm connecting to your promise. Connect to the promise. Some people are blaming God for how things are in the world. It's not God's fault. The world is what it is because we've chosen to neglect and ignore his word. And how to respond and how to choose wisely and how to live an abundant life. You will not live an abundant life without bringing other people up to abundance. That is the greatest abundant life is bringing other people up to levels that they never experienced. If somebody said, what, what's the one thing I could do in church that would make a huge difference? Is, Let me come in and worship. Let me come in and preach. No, come in and serve. 
I promise you, every one of you, and it's a money-back guarantee. Though there's no money exchanged, so you don't get any back. You say, I'm struggling in my life. And you have considered all the different ways that you can get out of the struggling, avoid struggling in the future, address the struggling. I always tell people, there's nothing like serving your way out of those issues. Well, you know, I attend. Oh, well, aren't you? I, I, want, I, I want to be there. Well, I attended church. Well, that's tough. In your air-conditioned BMW? Yeah, getting to church, that was a tough one right there. Now, if we were living back in the horse and pony days, I'd have a little more grace on you. But come on, let's face it. Almost every car has air conditioning nowadays. Automatic. Some of them even got little seats that cool your... Mm -hmm. And we're going to impress God with the sacrifices we've made. No, my response is this, man. I deserved hell, but I got heaven. And I am grateful for that. And I acknowledge it. Say, God, here I am. I was having a conversation with someone in crisis recently, and, and it was really a tough, it was a 45-minute conversation, and I finally said, because they were struggling with, with what was happening in the world in their life and things that weren't happening, and I said, look, I've come down, I've reduced my relationship with God down to about two things. Number one, all God wants from me first is my sin. Most people don't see it this way. They wow, God hates sin. No, he purchased sin. He purchased it. He paid for it. So he wants first, what can I do for God? Give him your sin. You hate your sin. Many people who are lost and don't live right, they're not mean people. They're not bad people. They're scared. I, I'm a sinner. I know how I live. I know how I think. And I, I hate my sin. And if I hate my sin, God hates my sin. You know, God doesn't hate your sin. He hates what sin does to you. So he does hate sin, but he loved it enough or loved you enough to take your sin so that you didn't have to live under the dominion of it. Number one, he wants your sin. Number two, you know what else he wants? He wants your skill, your gift, whatever he gave you. He wants your gift. You say, well, what do I have? He gifted everyone in this place, everyone watching online, everyone around the world has a gift from God. And he says, I want you to use what I put in you. I think about people that, that, that I, I think about the first car that was invented. Who came up out of nowhere with that? How do you do that? We had horses. We had buggies. We had, and all of a sudden, somebody goes, I think I can do something better. Who knew that Henry Ford or, would have had that gift inside him, but he decided that he lived it out. And, and you know what? We're better for it today. We, we can actually go places and get there in the same day. I think about who, who invented the airplane. Can you imagine being the first guy who says, hey, uh, let's try this thing off a cliff and see if it works. And there wasn't even math back then. They knew exactly what they were doing. You have a gift and many people say, well, that's not my personality. I don't see personality in the Bible. 
Everybody's responsible for the very same thing, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. God expects the same thing out of all of us. Use the gift and skill that I've given you to, to further my kingdom and my glory. I feel like we're all called to go into all the world and tell the story of Jesus. You see, I didn't use the words go into all the world and preach the gospel because some of you say, well, I'm not a preacher. He wasn't talking about fivefold ministry. He was talking about the declaration, <coughs> the message through anybody. So you can say, well, I'm an introvert, and I, I don't tell people about Jesus. Let me know how that works for you. I believe we're all supposed to. It's interesting. Susan and I ran into a lady in our neighborhood, and we were talking. And, of course, it, it, it's, if you're a preacher, you're a pastor, you're usually going to get two very strong responses. There's very, very few people who are lukewarm. They, oh, that's nice. No, no, no. It's like, oh, okay, we'll see you. It's been nice talking to you. That's one response. <laughs> and then another response is they want to pick your brain, and, and some of them want to get in an argument, and then some of them just want to talk and learn more. So we ran into a lady that was very kind, and we were having conversations in our neighborhood. Told her what we did and all that. And I said, Right after I told her, I said, you know, we have a church, a Mosaic Church, right over on Northwest Expressway next to the, I mean, the big red building. Uh, incredible pizza. I said, you know, and I said, man, we would love for you to come sometime. Just come and be a part. Come and, come and worship with us. She looked at me. She said, you know what? I've had, she told me all the churches she'd been told about and people had talked about where they went. She said, you're the first person that's ever invited me to church. So I've talked to a lot of people about church. But you're the first person that's ever invited me to church. I found that a little shocking because that's just my predetermined conversation with anybody is I want you to come to church. And I said, you know, you can, you can wear your jeans, your T-shirt. If you're really lost, you can wear a robe. <laughs> I include that because I had that happen one time. <laughs> and I was warned and forewarned that there was nothing under the robe. To which I asked the question, how do you know? <laughs> the usher said, because we asked him to tie it. <laughs> I made a decision when I started pastoring that we would not only extend love toward all people, but we would extend acceptance to all people. Now, that doesn't work. Uh, a lot of people will talk about it, and I'm not saying this to be boastful about us, but I just love people. Now, there are, there are probably two, two and a half percent. That I don't care for that much. <laughs> and I'm hoping God gives me an A or something, you know. Well, you're not an A plus, but... But I, I've determined ahead of time that I have to love all people. And God, every now and then, will allow somebody to come into my life that makes that really difficult. That's a choice that I've made ahead of time. And, and, but, but, and, and, you know, like I said, I, I'm really, uh, uh, for a type A, I'm really a pretty nice guy. You notice I said for a type A because type A's are totally misunderstood. We're get-her-done people. 
And if your little toe gets in the way, you may have to learn how to walk again. Because that sucker ain't going to be there. Now, I have since overcome a lot of my type A responses. And it's, it's, it's joyful, actually. I don't have near the fights I had. And some of the things that you struggle with, you're blaming other people for the struggles. But you've chosen the struggle. You've chosen to engage in the struggle. And now I'm learning that sometimes silence freaks people out. And, and if you sit silent long enough in, in the midst of a conversation and, and you, I mean, you're saying nothing, eventually they're going to want to know what you're thinking. It's the most interesting thing ever, and now I play with it. It's kind of evil on the other side. <laughs> it's not what you said, it's what you didn't say. So we have to make a decision ahead of time to live the kind of life that reflects the glory of God. Is it easy? Mm -mm. But if you'll get up every morning and you will go through that checklist, whatever it is for you, and it's different for everybody. Some of you have different issues than I have, but you don't think yours are issues. See, it's easy to look at other people's issues because you don't have to fix them, you don't have to change them, and you can look at them and say, they're stupid, I'm not. But you have issues. I have issues. We have issues. And some people quit serving God because they have issues. And I want to encourage you, never quit serving God because everybody around you has issues. And everybody around you has moments. And everybody around you is imperfect. And, and I've heard people say, well, I can never be a Christian. I, I don't measure up. We could all say that. I, I want to be a Christian, but I don't measure up. I've been a Christian a long time. Matter of fact, I forgot my spiritual birthday was last weekend. I've gotten so old, I forgot. I used to just be old naturally. Now I'm getting spiritually old. <laughs> I've been a Christian so long, I went, oh, I don't even need another birthday. And I'm still having to get up every day and, and look to this as a light and a lamp so I know how to walk. And there are times I violate this, and the thing I love about God is he allows me to see the violation. And he doesn't do it to punish me. He does it to help me. You're not going to be productive behaving this way. You're not going to be productive talking this way. You're not going to be productive. It's not him saying, ah, you know better. Go get me the biggest switch off the biggest tree. I'm taking care of you. No, he says, I want better for you. So I'm allowing you to see the response that you just had that I'm not pleased with. And it's not that I'm not pleased with you. I'm not pleased with the response because the response is not going to get you what I have for you. I have blessing for you, not cursing. And your response may totally change something in the future that you didn't even know it would change. You've missed out on some things. I've missed out on some things because of improper response. Exercise faith ahead of time. Get up every morning and say, today I choose to trust God. Not just love God, I choose to trust God. I choose to walk out the word of God. I choose to forgive. Because you're going to need to choose that ahead of time. Because every day we all have to choose. So, choose wisely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your patience along with your grace, mercy, and love. 
that you never give up on us. You never quit on us. You never cast us aside. I thank you, Father, for everything that you are and everything that you do. I could never measure up, but you're not using me as the measurement. You're using you. And you measured up. And because I believe in you, I live by the measure that you have offered to us, the measure of forgiveness and grace and mercy. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those of you that have yet to pray a prayer to accept Christ. And very important that that happen. Like I said, two things he wants, and the number one thing God wants from you is your sin. He paid for it. He deserves it. He owns it already. But you have to release it. So when you pray a prayer of repentance, you are saying, God, I honor the work that your son did on the cross to bring forgiveness to my life. So I want everyone to pray this with me, those who are watching online, those in-house, pray this with me. Say, Father God, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name. And I boldly declare, I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to text the word SAVED, 405-513-10. Do that as the first step in acknowledging that you have given your life to Jesus. Text the word SAVED to 405-513-10. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.